Let us, let us go to God in prayer. Lord, we know it's only, only You that can change our hearts. Uh, Lord, we know that Your people can plant and water, but it's You that causes the growth. And Lord, we desire to grow. We desire to grow into the people that You want us to be. We desire uh, to be available and to go wherever You would have us to go, do what You would have us to do, that You may be honored and represented well across this planet. Lord, I pray You speak to us now as we consider this parable of Jesus, that You would uh, help us to see things clearly that maybe were once foggy. Uh, Help us to renew our faith and our love for You by being reminded of Your love for us. Now speak to us now in Christ's name. Amen. You just think about relationships. We're going to talk about a relationship with God, but when you think about relationships with anyone, really, how do you know someone loves you? How do you know someone loves someone that they say they love? Well, it's usually kind of a twofold type of evidence. You, know, you have one, you say you love them. You know, I love you. But then you watch them to see if they really love them. You know, they say they love them, and then they act as though they love them. There's usually this correspondence between what you say and what you do that gives credibility to this announcement that you've made with your mouth that you love love this person. And what we're going to see in the parable that Jesus is going to present to us this morning in Matthew 21 is He's going to challenge mainly two groups of people with who they love. And then He's going to talk about a little bit about how, how do we know if you love God? How do you know if you obey God, if you're doing God's will, if God is, is pleased with you. And so, I read the parable earlier from Matthew 21. I want to give you a little more context. Jesus has entered the temple. He's in the final week before His crucifixion. And He has entered the temple and He's teaching. And as He's teaching, it says a group of chief priests and elders of the people, they come to Him while He's teaching and they ask Him a question. And this is the question that they ask Him in verse 23 of Matthew 21. They say, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Well, this is a, this is a good teaching tool for any of you that lead a small group or a Sunday school class to answer a question with a question. That's a good question. Jesus responds, instead of giving them an answer, He responds with a question. He, he asks them, He says, The baptism of John. Where did it come from? Did it come from heaven? Or is it from man? And then it says the religious leaders discussed it among themselves saying in verses 25 and 27, if we say from heaven, He will say to us, why then did you not believe Him? Because you remember John the Baptist was calling for repentance. And then it was John the Baptist who said, as Jesus approached Him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So they're thinking to themselves, well, if we say it's from heaven, then we're in a predicament because we're not believing John's message. (laughs) So we're not going to say it's from heaven. But if we say it's from man, it says that they, they were discussing that we're afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. And so they answered Jesus and they said, we do not know. And he just simply tells them, well, since you're unwilling to give me an answer, then I'm unwilling to give you an answer. And instead, he tells them a parable. 
And the beginning in verse 28, he says, What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not. Which of the two did the will of the Father? And what Jesus is doing is he's giving a simple story and he's asking these religious leaders this question, which did the will of the Father? And what he's going to do is he's going to turn it on them to show them their heart condition. And so he asked them, which did the will of the Father? And they said the first. So we see, just looking at this parable, that the father asked the first son to go, and he says, I will not. Notice how just disrespectful the son is. He doesn't say, no, sir. He just says, I will not. Period. Now, if you're a parent, if you've ever asked your child, you know, son, go clean your room. And if your son said, I will not. <laughs> oh, yeah? Okay, well, let's, we're going to have to have a little discussion, you know, about what you will and what you will not do. You know, but he says, I will not. But then it says later he changed his mind. It says he regretted what he did in turn. He repented and he decided to go work in the vineyard. Then the father went to the second son and he said, you know, to the second son, go and work in the vineyard. And the second son said, yes, sir. Very respectful. Yes, sir, I'll I'll do it. We've all been in that situation too, right? Where maybe someone's asked us to do something. And we say, oh yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Yeah. And then we go about doing our own, our own thing. And then 30 minutes later, they come back and remind us of what we said we were going to do and we haven't done it yet. That's what the second son does. He says, oh yeah, I'll do it, yes sir, I'll do it. But he does not go, he does not do it. So which of the, one, which, which, which of the sons did the will of the father? And they correctly say, well, the first one. Yes, he disrespected, disobeyed at first, but he changed his mind and he did what the Father wanted, so he was the one who did the will of the Father. And then Jesus takes that answer in that parable and he just puts it on their heart. Because they have self-indicted themselves. You know, they have basically interpreted their own heart condition. And he says in verses 31 through 32, he says, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you. Now just, just imagine being the chief priests and the elders of the people and someone saying this to you. I mean, you are the religious professionals. Okay? And this is what Jesus tells them. Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes will go into the kingdom of heaven before you. <laughs> that's, that's a little harsh. <laughs> How could that possibly be? These are the religious professionals. And yet they're going to follow the tax collectors and prostitutes into the kingdom if they follow their lead. And then he says, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. So Jesus takes that parable and He applies it to two groups of people. The tax collectors and the prostitutes and the chief priests and the elders. And let's see if we can identify with one of these two sons. Let's look at the first one. The first one says to the father, 
when the father asks him to go work in the vineyard, he says, I will not, but then later he says, I will. Okay, so we saw there's a change in his heart there. And if you're a Christian, if your faith's in Christ, then you can relate to the first son. Because you can remember it back whenever it was in your life that you decided to follow Jesus. Before that, basically you were saying in your heart to God, I will not. Right? I will not submit to you. I will not love you above these other things. I will not submit to your word. I will not follow you. Our hearts were just screaming out, I will not. All of us. We can identify with that first son. And this is, what, this is just what the Bible calls sin. It's, you know, deciding to go our own way, build our life on something else other than God. And we're saying to God, I will not go your way. I'm going to go my way. But then something happens. Something causes us to change. And at some point in your life, if you're a Christian, there was a turning point. There was a shift of your affections from whatever you were building your life upon to God through faith in Christ. There was that shift where you were no longer saying, I will not, God, but I will. And you turned to Him. You turned to His Son. You turned to His provision for you. And Jesus said the first son changed his mind and he went. Or some of your, some of your translations say, He regretted it and then He went. Or He repented of His decision and He went. And the idea is that he realized that he was wrong and he turned from the path that he was on to go onto the path that his father had laid out for him. And so I wonder, can you remember back? Can you remember when you changed your mind? When you shifted? When something happened in your life just to cause you to see Christ for who He is and there was a change of allegiance of affection. There was a submission to the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. But there has to be repentance. And what repentance means is is that change. It's a change. It's a shift. It's a turning. In order for forgiveness to take root and fulfill the effects that it can accomplish... It must be received. And you all know this. If, 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 you've, if you've ever been wronged by someone, you can offer forgiveness, but if they never receive it, there can be no reconciliation. And that's why Jesus tells the chief priests and the elders that these, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to get into the kingdom before you because they have embraced God's forgiveness. They recognize their sin, they turn to God, and they embrace God's forgiveness. And this is what they did. They said no to God, the tax collectors and sinners. They were saying no to God. But then John came. And John just, you can just imagine the type of person John was. I'm speculating a little bit, but you know, this is a guy that was just tells you like it is. And he was just calling people out. And people heard his words and they were they were hearing his words and it was applying to the heart and they were seeing themselves as people that were turned away from God and yet John was also proclaiming a baptism of repentance turn to God 
And so they embraced that message and they were baptized by John. And then Jesus comes and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they embraced John's testimony about who Christ is. And therefore they will be in the kingdom of God. So the tax collectors and the prostitutes will enter the kingdom because of what they believed. They believed in Christ. They believed in God's provision. They believed in God's Messiah. And this is why you and I will be in the kingdom as well, if you believe in Christ. If you've turned from sin to Christ, then you will be in the kingdom as well. So we can identify with the first son. But now let's look at the second son and see if we can identify with him. You know, the second son does the complete opposite of the first son. The first son says, I will not, but I will. The second son says, I will, but I will not. Complete opposites. So when he was asked to go into the vineyard, he says with a respectful voice and wordage, I will go, sir. But he had no intention of going. And like I mentioned before, we've all been guilty of this, where we say one thing, we do another. You know, we, we tell someone we're going to do something and, and we don't do it. But what Jesus is getting at is that this is a ramped up version of that and that we're dealing with God and, and His Messiah and forgiveness and how people enter the kingdom. So this is a little more weighty than whether or not you're going to clean your room or you know, take the trash out. But this son says, I will, and then he does not. And so what we see is this, this second son is being applied to the chief priests and the elders. And what they have done is though they claim to know God, they reject God's Messiah and God's mission. Even though they claim to know God, they're rejecting God's Messiah, which is His own, only avenue for forgiveness for mankind. And they reject God's mission. So let's first consider how they reject God's Messiah. Their religion had become this show. It's a show instead of a relationship. Just turn a few chapters over to Matthew 23. And I want to show you what Jesus says about these folks. They claim to know God with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. Look at Matthew 23. This is what Jesus says, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to His disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. In other words, he's saying they know the language. They got the godly language going. I mean, they know it. They're fluent in the godly language, but they don't know God. Their motive is disconnected from their wordage, their language. They say all these things, but their lives do not back it up. They preach, but they do not practice. And so he says, well, you know, do what they say as they're speaking from the law of Moses, but don't do what they do because there's a disconnect here. 
Just like that second son. I will go to the vineyard, but I'm not going. I will go, but his feet are saying, I am not going. And he doesn't go. And so what we need to do, especially as Christians, if you've been a Christian for a long time, sometimes this kind of sets in on us that we just learn this language of Christianity and we say all these things and we talk about God and we talk about His mission and we, you know, we know the language. We say it. But I think we got to search ourselves and ask ourselves, are our words, are they connected to our heart? Or are we just parroting? You know how parrots work, right? I mean, they can say all kinds of things. Parrots can say all kinds of things as long as they hear them first and then they can repeat them. But there's no meaning behind it. You know, there's a disconnect between what a, a bird says and what the bird can do. And that's how we can become. Is that we can just spout out, you know, the language, but there's a disconnect. It's not connected to the heart. And that's Jesus' accusation against the second son, the chief priests and the elders. You know the language you're saying some of the right things, but there's a disconnect between your life. And so when we say our faith is in Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, is it flowing from our heart? Or are we just saying what we want people to hear? You know, today, there are many people to, that claim to know God. And even other religions, people claim to know God. Um, people are, are sorry about their sin. Even in other religions. But what Jesus gets at here is, what will you do with God's Messiah? That's the question. Yes, we need to turn from sin, but turn from sin to what? To who? There's only one person we can turn to to receive forgiveness, and that's Christ. And the chief priests and the elders have failed to do that. So they have rejected God's Messiah, but they've also rejected God's mission. Because they've rejected God's Messiah, they have failed to see what God was doing in their world, and even what God is doing today. In other words, there was no room in their in their world to allow those first sons to enter in. They just couldn't embrace those first sons that at first said no and now say yes to God. And so they couldn't understand, Jesus, why would you receive sinners and eat with them? There was no room in their world for those people because they did not understand what God was doing through His Messiah. They could not see God's heart for the nations. And we have to be careful that we don't try to embrace the Father without embracing the Father's Son and the Father's mission. Because you cannot embrace the Father without embracing His Son. And I don't see how you can embrace His Son without embracing His mission. How can we experience the love and grace and the generosity of God and not allow that to flow through us. I don't even know if that's possible. And so I think what we need to do as Christians today 
is that we need to guard against lip service. We've got to be careful. That we're just not saying things to look impressive, but rather they're flowing from the heart. And we desire to walk with God and seek out His mission and be a part of His mission in our own lives. So there could be a connection between our, our words and our deeds. But if you step back from this parable for a moment, one thing stands out if you just step back and look at the two sons. And that is, both sons are disobedient. Right? Both of them. The first one, right off the bat, says, you know, I will not go. So he disrespects his father. He, he changes later, but at first he disrespects and disobeys his father. The second son says, yeah, I'll, I'll go. But he doesn't go. And what's interesting about the second son's response is he says, yes, sir, I'll go. And that word, sir, there is the same word used back in Matthew 7 when Jesus said, there will be many that come and say, Lord, Lord, I have prophesied in your name. I've done miracles in your name. And he says, I never knew you. It's that same word. Yes, sir. Some come to Christ, sir, sir. There's a disconnect. You don't know him. And so you have the first son, blatantly disobedient. You have the second son, it's kind of hard to know if he's being disobedient unless you follow him and see his actions. He doesn't go into the vineyard. But both sons are disobedient. One son changes. There's a turn. He turns to God. He embraces God's forgiveness in Christ. But how is the father able to extend that grace to him? Because we all know, in order to extend forgiveness, somebody has to absorb the pain. You know this in your own life. When you forgive somebody, you're saying, I am going to absorb the pain And I am not going to dish out the consequence on you. If you want that forgiveness, I'm going to extend it to you and I'll absorb the pain. See, the reason the Father was able to extend forgiveness to that first son is because there is another son. There is this other son who not only said that he would go into the vineyard, but he actually went. And that son is Jesus Christ. He not only told the father he would go, but he went. And he obeyed. And he fulfilled the mission of God on the cross for me and for you. So that when that time comes where we shift, when we have a change of mind and we realize the beauty and the love and the grace and the goodness of God, we shift from what we're building our life upon and we change and turn our attention to Him and He embraces us because of that son. Because of Christ. It's because of the obedience of Christ that God can forgive our obedience. And my prayer is that each of us, whether you're the first or the second son, that we will embrace John's testimony about Christ, that He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I hope that as we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, that it will not only be with our lips, but it will also be with our lives. Let us pray together.
God, we are so thankful for Your perfect Son, Jesus Christ, who went into the vineyard, died on the cross, so that we can be brought in. Lord, I pray if there's anyone who needs to experience that change, that needs to turn from building their life on something in this world other than You, I pray that they would, they would experience that today, that they would change, they would turn, they would repent and turn to Christ and be embraced by Your grace and Your forgiveness. Lord, I also want to pray for those of us who find ourselves speaking the language of Christianity, but our lives are in contradiction to that language. Lord, we confess that. We turn to You knowing that when we turn to You, there is forgiveness that abounds. Because You tell us where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And Lord, we know that You are faithful to Your children to complete what You've started. Now I pray that each person here would be filled with hope knowing that You are sufficient to take us where we are to where You want us to be. Now Lord, would You continue to speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.